So welcome to the first episode of the Elixirized podcast, where I talk to my co-hosts, Jeff and Ithia. What the hell? <laughs> oh. Oh. oh, no. Sorry, I fell asleep. It was such a boring intro. Oh, <clears throat> you just ruined my intro. Welcome to the Citizen Code podcast, the Elixirized edition. In this super rough episode, I'm joined by my co-hosts, Ithia and Jeff. We discuss starting a startup, starting a podcast... Introduce our first project, learning Elixir, getting out of tutorial hell, and so much more. Let's jump in. I'm not even. <laughs> <laughs> Round two, fight. <clears throat> No, you should you should keep that for the pre-intro or something. Oh, I'm I'm totally keeping it. <laughs> I thought you didn't want a boring corporate podcast, dude. Oh, that's funny. Well, now I now I don't have one. I've got snoring. <laughs> I've got Jeff rattling cages. <laughs> uh, so how about putting some energy into that? Where know? was I? Because I've forgotten now. <laughs> you were face down in the mud, barely conscious, trying to speak. Fair. Okay, Ithia, you do the intro. Go. <laughs> um, well, I prefer not doing this. Mm. I know that you are going to do the intro so, so well. <laughs> <laughs> well, I would have, except that Jeff just... Uh... <laughs> snored his way into the beginning of the podcast oh <laughs> uh, okay so yeah anyway um jeff why don't you introduce yourself tell us a little bit how you got into programming and yeah we'll just go like that hey there i'm jeff i got into programming back when people used horses for transportation um, taught myself to program in C in order to make payroll in a startup I had uh, naively started uh, without any kind of technical background. And uh, we made payroll. And how did Back you wind you. up doing Elixir? <laughs> yeah, I got into Elixir um, after several years uh, hanging around the Rails community, which is a great community. And um, I heard someone, I heard on someone else's podcast that they were transitioning from Rails to Elixir and I um, thought that was interesting because that guy is a, uh, a killer programmer product guy, has some couple successful products under his belt. And uh, somehow I heard about the Dockyard Academy and Brooke and uh, reached out and joined it uh, to be in the beta group and it was a great experience. Awesome. Uh, hey, uh, Ithia, what about you? How did you wind up um, in the in Dockyard Academy and programming in general? Um, well, uh, I'm a computer engineer, so uh, well, I don't know if uh, is computer engineer or software engineer, but uh, I'm, uh, I was working as a data science for a while uh, and. I don't know why, because I, I love development and develop products. 
I want to go back developing products, especially using Elixir because it's a technology uh, I love. And I think that is community and documentation set it apart from the rest of technologies. So uh, I rem remember that one day uh, I asked uh, to in a Telegram group for, hey, how can I learn uh, Elixir? And someone said, hey, there are um, a beta course that you can try. And I decided to do it. And now I'm here. Oh, that's awesome. Um, <clears throat> I'm sure if, I don't know if anybody's listening, listened to these podcasts before, um, but I basically found out about it um, I was listening to podcasts. Um, I was interested in Elixir and I messaged Brooke and wound up in the beta. And then, um, I was randomly selected for the official first cohort. So I went through that too. Um, so that's, that's kind of the, the short run of, of how I managed, um, to get into that. Um, so all three of us met in the beta cohort. That's right. That's right. Absolutely. Thank you. <laughs> you know, it's so funny because um, I'm so more nervous funny. doing this than, um, than I am doing a normal podcast. Yeah, that's pretty typical. <laughs> the typical reaction to me. <clears throat> a typical reaction to you. Um, but yeah, so essentially, um, so what, what, what I did was I, uh, I started approaching. So I finished, I finished the beta. And I finished the, the first cohort and I didn't want to, you know, everybody's like work on open source, find some open source stuff to work on as much as I'd love open source and I'm thankful for it. I didn't want to focus on that because, you know, I have a family to support and, um, things of that nature. So I decided to work on projects that would hopefully facilitate that. Um, but I also didn't want to work alone, so <clears throat> I started approaching people and asking um, people from the first cohort if they were interested in doing a uh, group project that would be a SaaS that, you know, could eventually lead to, you know, making some money. Um, I, I didn't get a whole lot of response, mainly because everybody was still pretty hardcore focused on finding jobs and that sort of thing. Um, not that I'm not still looking for a job, but um, but I can't live and breathe a job hunt. Um, so, so then I started approaching. I started approaching you guys from the from the beta, um, and uh, why don't you guys tell me what what you thought when when I first uh, asked you about it? Um, well, uh, for me, I. I must admit that uh, I felt a bit nervous about working alone on projects because there are have been times uh, that I went when I just ended up abandoning them. So this opportunity for me was like, okay, now I'm going to do uh, a product with uh, more people with a team that 
Yeah, it's like it's perfect because hey, they welcome to the Citizen Coder Podcast Elixirized in Edition. This, uh, in this super rough so first episode, I'm joined by my co-host uh, Ithia and Jeff. That's like we discuss starting a startup, uh, starting a podcast, and also introduce our first really project, work with learning Elixir, getting out of tutorial hell, and so much more. I don't know. I, I let's like, jump in. Uh, work with other people. Yeah, that makes that resonates with me too. Uh, I I forgot how we connected on this, Drew. I think you and I were just chatting, and I I mentioned that I wanted to do some some uh, things to be you know, becoming to remember what I what would happen in the in the beta and to become more proficient. And uh, I think you mentioned that you were thinking about this concept and. It totally resonated. Um, and I think, you know, people who are looking for jobs, I think doing this kind of thing is <clears throat> a really good, uh, a really good exercise. Um, you know, when you're not actively sending resumes and doing interviews and those kinds of things, as we all know, you know, cause we've all looked for jobs before that that seems like a full-time job, but the reality is it's, it happens in bursts. And when you're not doing those things, then you might as well be doing things that, that further your skills and, and make you more hireable once those opportunities come up. So I think that's, that's the beauty of Elixirized. Um, but I predict that we'll look back in history and, and realize that this formative moment for this Elixirized group you know, launched careers in ways that um, we didn't expect. So I'm pretty excited about that. Yeah, that that's pretty much me too. Um, and, and uh, you know, everything you guys said pretty much kind of echoed my thoughts. I, I didn't want to work in a bubble and I definitely didn't want to work. Um, I, you know, I wanted to do something that would further my career, obviously. Um, but I... I also didn't want to just, yeah, you know, I don't know. Um, I, I didn't want to just jump off the, the, the deep into the deep end by myself. Um, there's, you know, I still have a lot to learn and just working with you guys on this project, I've already learned a, a ton more, especially revolving around Git and, and best practices and things like that. Um, so I'm I'm really, really happy that uh, that you guys both, um, kind of saw the, the fun in, <laughs> in this group, um, and uh, yeah, and decided to join me. Um, yeah, we should we should dig into this a little bit more. Yeah, um, the point you made about Git and and that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. The um. You know, I'm in a different place in my career than most people. I've I've hired many developers and and uh, led many different development teams and many different many different uh, tech stacks and many different industries. And when people are trying to hire developers, especially junior level developers, um, they worry about um, whether they can actually work in a team and whether they, you know, they worry about how much, not 
technology and coding training they have to do, but they worry about, oh gosh, what am I going to have to do to make this person be able to just be a productive member of a software team? And the, the activities that we are doing are real activities that a real team has to do to produce real production code. And that's, that's what resonated so much with me. You know, when I have my hiring hat on, I think, you know, people who go through uh, Excel or, or um, boot camps, they tend to be pretty good and very enthusiastic and everything. But, you know, the constraints of a boot camp just makes it impossible for uh, the people in that co in a given cohort to to really exercise the, the real world day to day working skills that you need to, to be effective on a software development team. And that's exactly what we're doing uh, here, which uh, makes me very happy in terms of what it will, uh, you know, what it'll, skills it'll give you guys to be able to get jobs. And, um, you know, my selfish interest in this is that, you know, I want to increase and keep my skills uh, doing this. And the only way you do that is, you, is, to produce, is to produce real systems and push and maintain production code. And that's what we're doing. So that's, that's, uh, that's one of the reasons I'm very excited about this. Yeah. I'm to that week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. To that point, um, that's, that's actually one of the things I was going to say, I really like having, um, having you both. Cause you guys have, you guys have both worked in and around software and you know that's from like i have i have tons of software ideas and i have lots of um creativity but um i have not worked in a software environment you know building software with a team and things like that so this has really given me an opportunity to kind of know what that feels like and you know just learn um as much as i as much as i can So I know this is the the first episode, and <clears throat> the first episode of of most podcasts is, you know, kind of unstructured and the the, the worst. <laughs> the hosts, yeah, the hosts don't really kind of know what you know. They're not into a rhythm yet, and they don't really know what what topics going to resonate with you know all three listeners. And um, um, so let, let's just brainstorm here real quick. One of the thoughts that we, we've been bent, uh, batting around um, in our Discord group is that maybe we have themes or, um, oh, what do you call, um, I guess, podcast features mm, that yeah. we talk about from time yep, to time. Yep. Um, but the, the other thing that just came to mind, kind of riffing on what you just amplified, was... Um, what about <clears throat> having this podcast be, you know, those regular features, but also be, um, a chronicle of the journey. So, um, you know, that means sharing, you know, what we started out with the tools we're using. Mm -hmm. Um, yep. you know, we'll certainly talk about our projects <clears throat> and things. And I, I think it'd be very interesting 
just for us, for our future selves to be able to go back and kind of see that evolution. But I think it would also be super interesting for people who can't be part of this group <clears throat> to, to get more of the details so they really understand what this kind of journey looks like and feels like. Sure. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Um, also, one of the things I wanted to bring up was that, um, so, so this group is essentially a, I mean, for now it is, you know, it, it's, it's called Elixirized. It's a, we're a group of uh, developers that, you know, came from a, a bootcamp. Um, and one of the things I wanted to, wanted to talk about was that, um, other people that are coming out of boot camps go right to the job hunt, but maybe, um, maybe forming a, a group and working on projects together would be a good course of action along with the, uh, the job hunt. Um, I think, you know, th like you said, there's a lot of skills that you don't really learn, um, from boot camp mainly because you're 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 focused on learning the thing you know so you're you're focused on learning the language and then you're focused on learning the framework and you know you're still just trying to find your your ins and outs but um not every boot camp has a sort of let's work on this in the style of working for a company so that you actually learn how to do all that stuff which I think is part of the part of the learning, um, and sometimes you don't get that till after you've exited the boot camp, you know. So you've with the boot camp, you've kind of learned how to work with the technology, um, but you haven't really learned how to work as a team or with a team um, on any kind of piece of software. So forming a group like this might be might be useful to you know people just exiting boot camps. Um, maybe grab a few of your uh, your friends, and you know see if you can crank something out. See if you can figure out the uh, use some of the industry standard um, practices and things like that. Yeah, and the other thing you the other thing you get to experience is that you know, we've already discovered that the three of us bring different, um, certainly different skills, but, uh, it's deeper than that. Um, you know, any group of people in any group of people, the different members of that group have different, um, I get, uh, I'm, if you can probably help out here because her English is better than mine. Um, so I'm, I'm losing the word that I'm looking for, but, um, they, they are different people are predisposed to be interested and be better at certain nuances in certain areas of things. So for example, um, Ithia and Drew are, um, so far have been super interested in some innovative, uh, logo treatments and some of the design and look and feel, um, you know, I don't know what I'm good for, but um, I actually do love the friend. I love I love good design, but I'm one of those I know it when I see it persons, as opposed to I'm really good at making it happen. Um, 
Um, so I don't know. What do you what do you guys think about kind of that dimension? Yeah, sort of the different um, interests and skills. Yeah, I, I mean, uh, for me, uh, it's like uh, you're trying to be like uh, building like a house and do it alone is quite challenging and impossible. And yeah, development is the same. You have to trust in others to uh, certain features like, okay, someone is going to specialize himself in or herself in building infrastructure or backend and other uh, are more uh, focused on user experience, marketing and this kind of stuff. So, I mean, all the pieces are necessary to develop a product. So I think that is if you match yourself with, okay, I, I love uh, development like the infrastructure and the backend stuff but I don't want to do like front-end stuff uh, and if other uh, can do it uh, and you want to specialize yourself in a certain uh, topic is absolutely uh, awesome and I think that specialize yourself in doing something is the way to achieve a better what you want to do, like a product or <laughs> I don't know if I'm explaining myself well, sorry. Yeah, no, that makes sense. Kind of adding to what Ikea said, I think we'll hopefully, you know, we'll be together long enough. Well, hopefully we'll be together long uh, for a long time, regardless of what people you know are doing with their day jobs. But what I was going to say is that um, sort of the converse of you know how we are starting out, which you know sort of naturally, um, naturally moving toward the things that we're most interested in and that we feel the most comfortable with. Um, as we do additional projects, we'll we'll make it a point to move around so that we get our each of us gets exposed and becomes better at the areas that we're not as comfortable with so that you know after doing a few projects we can credibly claim to be full stack developers in the elixir phoenix world because we have actually produced production code um, individually in all the areas that were required to to actually qualify as a full stack developer even if we end up you know getting a job or taking a position that is more specialized, having that real world background, I can tell you from hiring people, that is platinum. Um, even if you're not hiring for someone who quote unquote is a full stack developer, you always want people that know how to do that. So that is a superpower set of skills. And I think we will develop those as a group during this process. So that's pretty exciting too. Absolutely agree. Yep. I think that, uh, and maybe in this project you prefer like doing backend, but in the future you say like, okay, uh, I I'm going to try to do the frontend, and I think that this uh, is likely that we can move around, as you said, uh, around different uh, different uh, jobs or kind of of job uh, of work, sorry, 
and I think that that is going to uh, do do us like better developers so it's absolutely amazing having this opportunity i like wearing lots of hats <laughs> yeah me too. Uh, that's yeah it's what, I, it's what i do in my day john yeah 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 it, it it kind of adds a different um dimension to it when you know you're you're over here on the front end and then you're over here on the back end and then um working on on stuff like this, at least in a small group, allow definitely allows you to um, dabble in other areas and you know work in other areas. So yeah, I I like that. I don't think my um my ADD brain can handle working in one area for super long periods of time. I got to kind of branch out and branch off and um, try different things <laughs> to keep stimulated. Um, but yeah, working like this definitely aff affords. Um, that kind of flexibility. Hey, Drew, I don't, I don't know how limited our time is. Do we have time to talk about our initial project and yeah, some of the project go. ideas we have going forward? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm only limited to the time that you guys are limited to. So I'm, I'm okay. pretty, pretty available. Yeah, I think it's I think it's okay if the first episode goes longer than what it, you know. Yeah, and like I said, I, I'll, I'll probably go. chop it up a little bit anyway. Um, you know, just kind of clean it up at least the first episode. Well, the, of course, you you won't chop out anything that I say. No, we, of course we know not. That, right? <laughs> just me. Yes. I'll just chop my own stuff out. <laughs> okay, good, good. But yeah, um, yeah. So our our first project. Go ahead, Jeff. You want to introduce it or let Ithia introduce it? Or doesn't matter. Yeah, let let if you introduce it. If we you, should make yeah. you introduce it because it's your dumb idea. But you know, <laughs> I'm going to leave that in there. In fact, I'm going to make that the outtake. <laughs> <laughs> you uh, should introduce you it because it's your in the outtake. <laughs> it's your dumb idea. <laughs> uh, okay, fine. So our first our first product is called Mindery. It is a, it is both a reminder app and a, uh, a place for you to see all of your, um, all of your due dates for your bills or your streaming services, um, in one place. Um, for me, the the issue that I have that, um, that kind of prompted the idea was you know forgetting that I had something come due, whether it was a bill or. A streaming service. Um, I'm not the, you know, the, the best money manager. <laughs> so um, this, this, uh, the idea for this was to help me um, basically have a reminder that was in your face. So it will, you know, when you have something that's like, come and do, you know, a few days before you'll get a text message saying, Hey, you know, you've got this, you've got this bill due, you've got this, uh, you know, whatever the streaming service, um, due in three days. Um, you know, it'll, it'll tell you the email address you used in case you've forgotten. Um, and, uh, you know, how much, how much it is based on, you know, whatever you've, you've entered for that. Um, or, you know, if, if you don't care about how much it is at that point, you can just 
skip over that and just put in the, the due date and the, the name of the service and and the email address. And um, yeah, you'll get a text message um, three days before which whatever it is is due. Um, eventually, we would like to, you know, once we build out native apps, you know, you, you'll be able to get in-app notifications if you'd rather those instead of the text. And we're also investigating um, sending the the text messages to things like Telegram and WhatsApp um, for people that mainly use that for texting, I guess. Um, Ithia, you you said that uh, in Spain you guys don't don't really text. You use is it WhatsApp or Telegram? Um, WhatsApp. Uh, we don't use like MS SMS like because it's not, it isn't free, so we use WhatsApp instead. Okay, yeah. So, so having something you know that could send a notification to WhatsApp would be ideal for that purpose. Um, but yeah, that's that's the gist of of the uh, of the idea. Um, you guys have anything to add to it? That subscribes subscriptions renewal sucks. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Surprise subscription renewals suck. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, it's like the perfect sentence to describe this feeling when you are trying to just live in your life and there are a message on your phone that puts something like, Hey, you have to pay this uh, other time and you don't want to pay this uh, anymore. And it's like, okay, it's done. So you spend like other six months to unsubscribe. And it's like, man, why? I don't want to do this again. And <laughs> it's how most of the service works. So it's a really common problem. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. Like, you know, Netflix uh, or... HBO or like there are HBO sorry mm -hmm. uh, there are like a lot of uh, services that use this type of yeah um, our our vast audience of listeners will certainly immediately think to themselves well wait a minute this isn't a unique idea and um, that's part of the point here um, we want to build things that uh, um Part of the part of the point here of these projects is we're not trying to create new categories or uh, you know invent new wheels because you know a we we want to do things where we know we already have an idea of kind of what the problem is so that we're exercising implementation skills not figuring out you know how to invent a new category but interestingly and we we we've joked that we expect. Um, to get some testimonials from users who, as they just as they spend the time to go through and figure out what all the subscriptions they have, which you know you'll have to do when you uh, when you sign up for this thing, you have to go through and you know as Drew said, you know, do some data entry with your subscriptions. We expect some people to during just just by going through that process to discover a bunch of subscriptions they had forgotten about, immediately cancel them and you know, save tens of, you know, tens of dollars a month on subscriptions just from signing up for Mindry. Um, and 
we were, you know, kind of speculating that might happen. And last night, Drew and I were talking about um, where we'll host some things and all that. And I discovered that I've been paying DigitalOcean $20 a month for probably two or three years that I'd forgotten about. And uh, so just developing the product uh, where we ourselves are saving lots of money as we discover subscriptions we forgot about. So um, this is one of those ideas where there are several of them out there. Um, Drew's focus here correctly has been, let's be super, super um, laser focused on just this idea and not try to combine it with lots of other ideas. Um, so it'll be a nice, simple app and, and you know, we don't expect to make any more than about a billion dollars a year. Um, at least, at least a billion. But if it makes more than that, that'll be fine. Um, but it, you know, it's already been fun to get going. Um, my, and I think I fully by intend the time to... we... Go ahead. <laughs> I was going to say, I fully intend to retire off this app. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, I am, I've... I vowed to never retire, but, um, that's fair. Yeah. I, you know, it would be nice to be able to go by a Island somewhere, you know, but I'll still work. Assuming I can get internet there. Well, we'll just, um, you know, we'll have a billion dollars. So we'll just run underground internet cables to the Island. Oh, and, there you go. And, and Bob is your uncle. <laughs> yeah. Where is that? Please dear listeners, someone tell us the origin of Bob's your uncle. We'd like to know. Oh, <laughs> uh, Bob is your uncle. Yep. Um, yeah. So that's, I mean, that's the gist of the idea that, um, that pretty much, uh, covers it. Uh, what else we got? I feel like we had some other. Well, one of the topics and then in, in terms of sort of uh, segments that we've talked about, maybe having, uh, we've yeah. already experienced uh, Drew's mentioned on, uh, the citizen coder podcast, being in um, wanting to escape from tutorial hell. I think anybody who's learned really anything, but especially especially languages and frameworks, you get into this cycle of going through tutorials and there's always something fundamentally wrong with a tutorial. Mm -hmm. um, either it's at too high a level of abstraction. Um, so basically all you can do is copy and paste code or retype the code. Um, but you don't really learn the underlying why the thing works. Um, that's sort of the best case in my experience. The, the worst case and most typical is that you go through and you, um, you complete the tutorial and you realize that it doesn't work. And it doesn't work because uh, there are just egregious mistakes in the, the way the author themselves copied and pasted code uh, <laughs> and or the code no longer works because the underlying framework like Phoenix in the example of Elixir, uh, you know, Phoenix has been updated and they, they made a breaking change and now that tutorial doesn't work. Um, there's just a number of things that happen in these tutorials where as a learner, you, you know, you don't have the skills to troubleshoot that. Um, so you just end up in this, you know, tutorial hell as, as Drew calls it. So one of one of the things we've been thinking about that we might do is we might we might run through or introduce tutorials that we have produced that are have a main goal to help people escape from that tutorial hell. 
And I, I think uh, I would like to call our tutorials tutorials because uh, <laughs> it's catchy, right? Will, it's catchy. It's catchy, and uh, it implies that the, that the darn thing works. So uh, if we do that, and we, if we if we publish tutorials, we will publish them in a way and maintain them in a way that they they will be uh, that you will know from looking at the tutorial itself that it works. And that'll be driven by some real metrics that are somehow under the covers, verifying that the code in the tutorial actually still works. Yep. So that's one. That's idea. uh, yeah. That's that's kind of important. Um, yeah. So I spent the last six or seven years trying to learn how to program and being stuck in tutorial hell, um, which essentially means that you hop from Udemy course to Udemy course. Uh, I probably have on tap maybe 40 courses. Um, what's your Udemy number? Um, <laughs> I have a lot. It's it's it, And the, the actual finished tutorials is, mm, well, it might be in the, in the threes and fours, um, maybe. Um, I've finished did, very few courses. Did you go through the, uh, the Elixir Udemy course? Um, so no, mainly because I knew from the comments that it was already super outdated. Yeah, it's, it's so funny. I, I, I went through that right before right before our beta cohort started of the Doctor Academy, and mm -hmm. um, uh, fortunately, I had well, I had been around the Rails world for a while, so it was it was a relatively easy transition to start to understand the way Elixir worked, right, and right. Phoenix and all that stuff. But I, I went through the Udemy course and because i had experienced you know the tutorial hell for so many years i sort of expected these things to have well plus udemy is you know a dumpster fire of outdated mm -hmm. um, courses it definitely um is. but anyway i went through it and i was so stubborn that i figured the darn thing out um it's just it's ancient so ironically that you could argue that's one way to really learn things well um because to make that work, you basically have to become an expert in figuring out all the problems that they have and all the, all the mistakes and, uh, outdatedness. Um, that's not a very enjoyable way to learn. Hence the <laughs> phrase tutorial hell. It, it um, definitely is not, it's not a fun way to learn. Um, and I've learned to sniff out outdated courses. And so, you know, if anybody wants some tutorials on that, I'd be more than happy to, to show you how to uh, sniff out a uh, a a really bad Udemy course and and not waste your money on it. Um, well, yeah, and that's that's why I'm I'm excited about this tutorial concept. You know, we will. You know, I'm I'm kind of excited about talking to the world about how to how to do this stuff so that it's, it doesn't suck. You know, it doesn't get outdated in two weeks, and um, keeps working. Yeah, me too. Um, I think the important thing to remember with tutorials is that you are, well, you're, you're trying to teach yourself something, right? So not getting stuck in the, I mean, yeah, it's, it's, it's nice when tutorials work and they should be updated in order to, um, to fix things. But all right, take for instance, and this is just a, a, a little thing, right? So that we were looking at this little blog tutorial, um, and I won't post, 
you know the link um and it was it was a good it was a good tutorial like everything worked except the one thing it needed to make the whole thing work <laughs> and uh you know and Je it's been a, been a little bit for jeff since you know he touched elixir and um and uh you know it's been not so um long ago that i touched it and i i was looking at it and i'm like it looks like the he's named the file for for a version of Phoenix that's like, you know, six years old. Like it's not like he's he he named it named the file Eeks instead of Heeks. Um, and so that made the whole thing break. Um, once you changed the file extension, it worked. Um, but um, just pa kind of not really powering through, but um but kind of looking at it as if you're you're not trying to follow a tutorial you're just trying to learn something and in order to do that you know sometimes you have to go to docs or or look up other um other ways of figuring out the problem so i've seen a couple udemy courses that are like super outdated um one of them is angela use flutter course not to mention a different technology but somebody was so adamant that they wanted to do this course that they figured out all the shit that needed to be fixed, fixed it, and then posted a GitHub um, with all the fixes so that somebody following the tutorial could actually go through it and know what they needed to know to finish the thing. Um, you know, sometimes it just takes some some really, like, you know, dig down deep and just do the thing and not let anything kind of stop you. Um, it's real easy to go, oh, this fucking tutorial doesn't work. Let me move on. Um, instead of just, you know, digging down and, and like you did, Jeff, and just kind of power through it and, you know, figure that shit out come hell or high water. <laughs> you probably learned a ton from doing that. I did, and of course, promptly forgot it all because I wasn't using it. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, I am, I want, I'm going to uh, publish a tutorial about the um, the blog thing. I, I forgot the um, the name of the um, module. The mix, what are they call them? I want to call them. Uh, I want to call them gins, but that's not the that's not the term in this world. Um, um, I don't know. The it was a the mix modules, the whatever you call. I don't know. It was a Phoenix project. I'm not sure what. Yeah, but you 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 know you update your dependency with this thing oh, you're going to use mix depths uh depths. So you're you're talking about the dependencies. Yeah, the, it yeah. So what we're talking about. Sorry, I know that thousands of people now are confused. No hate mail, please. We don't have an email address yet. Um, the, this, we're talking about using the Nimble Publisher package that um, Jose and team at, at um, Dashbit created that bundles some, some uh, markdown processing so that you can, you can create blog posts, blog post articles in um, using markdown and then have that be an Elixir project and, you know, publish your blog and as an Elixir Phoenix project. Um, so 
anyway, we're gonna we're gonna definitely publish a blog post about how to actually get a blog published using Nimble Publisher because even the the tutorial or the the wasn't so much a tutorial it was an intro article that the uh, Dashbit group wrote when they when they released Nimble Publisher. Um, you know that's now outdated and and again not trashing them at all because it wasn't a tutorial it was just hey we introduced this you know here's here's how it works um but there have been several other tutorials that have now become outdated or like the one that with the one that we used uh, most recently was actually the most current one we could found we could find and um like drew said the the guy's own code is uh horrifically outdated never could have worked uh when he published it um and that's that is the that's the rule, not the exception in our experience with uh, being in tutorial hell. So one of our little side goals is to uh, help people escape that. But, you know, the, Drew and I, you have been, you and I have been talking about this and, you know, we're, I would say, um, you know, not to trash you very much, but I'll certainly say that I am not the sharpest tool in the shed. Um, Ithia, however, that's is. Why, that's yeah, why we have um, Ithia. Yeah, so maybe maybe her experience with tutorials has been better than ours because you know she has a brain. <laughs> well, where because I can't find it. <laughs> no, just kidding. <laughs> no, uh, to be honest, for me, uh, development is something. Uh, at least at the beginning, uh, development is like complicated and stressful. And you have to trust everything that other people uh, told you. Like uh, you have to close your eyes and go for a go a walk and try to find where you want to arrive at. And it's quite crazy because uh, you don't have the experience for looking for documentation, or you don't have the experience for understand where you are and where you. Want, uh, where you want to go so it's quite quite really stressful and they this kind of tutorials doesn't help at all <laughs> because it's like okay you have to do this uh, path but i only going to talk with you about this path and if there are any errors uh fuck off it's your problem and it's quite stressful because okay, I, I need I, I really need help. I am newbie. I have no idea about that. If you don't uh, explain me uh, what are the possibilities in the most abstract way, but in a way that you can like understand something, is quite crazy. Yeah, that's a that's a super important point that you made. Uh, if you, I think it, it, it does boil down to trust, you know, newcomers need to be able to trust tutorials. Well, really anybody, but even if you're super experienced, you know, when we, when we turn to a tutorial to enhance our knowledge, we need to be able to trust it. And that's, that's the, that's just the, you know, the fundamental problem that we'll solve with our tutorials is that the the 
the content itself will prove to you before you dive into it that you can trust it, that it works, that it's current. So um, that'll be, uh, I mean, stay tuned for that. Oh, wait, it, now it's hundreds of thousands of people out there. Thank you for joining. Um, <laughs> stay tuned uh, because uh, maybe we'll become famous for fixing tutorials. Maybe that's, you know, Ooh, you know that's sort of like, uh, you know, the people who made Slack. They were, they were building the game before that failed, and then they built Slack, and now they're gajillionaires. Maybe that would be us. It's because they were slacking. Oh, wait a minute. And Nobody paid like, for the tutorial. And then they were like, oh, that's a good product. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Amazing. Maybe we um, should just build a product that fixes tutorials. <laughs> yeah, except nobody pays for tutorials. So that's you know, sure not do. a good business plan. And I think that it's like uh, really frustrating uh, to have faith in something that doesn't work. And not only like, okay, I'm not going to trust you anymore because uh, you are not a good teacher. More like, okay, I'm not going to trust that I can't do it because I can't follow these steps that are supposed to be beginning friendly and they're... They, uh, doesn't really well they aren't so it's like yeah that's that's another it's great point quite complicated yeah, it's, yeah it, it, it you're you're destroying people's self-confidence at the time when they need it the most absolutely you know i hadn't really thought of that as an issue until just now but it's completely valid like that's really that's really what happens with with tutorials that don't work you know like for instance, you know, people people put um, they put a Udemy course up, and you know, when they first post it, it works, it's great. They're charging money for it. People are paying for it. You know, you've got hundreds of thousands of people buying this course, and over the next couple of years, it it goes um, broken because technology has changed as it does. Um, but then there's no updates. There's no feed there's no instructor feedback saying hey i'm updating this or hey this is broken or you know taking it down if it's broken there's just they just leave it there because it's a money source and uh you know people get frustrated and um they lose uh faith and trust that um you know th that what they're what they're what they've paid for is uh is working or, or not working in this case just broken mm -hmm. Um, yeah, yeah, that's a good observation. In fact, my uh, our uh, teenage son was learning to program a couple of years ago, and he had he had a class. And I think the class used Java, so I went on Udemy and found a Java course, and I found this this course that was the highest rated course for Java development. And I looked at it, and this guy, you know, Java is a super mature. It's been around for Gosh, probably twenty years now. Um, super mature. All, yeah, it's a. It's what most enterprises use for their their tech stack. Um, you know, there's. I personally uh, want to go kick a dog after de dealing with Java, but it's <laughs> you know it's the it's the stack that enterprises use. So um, lots of enterprise jobs for Java programmers. Anyway, that's not the point. The point is this. This Udemy course, the guy published it maybe seven or eight years ago, and he still maintains it, updates it, 
monitors the forum, answers questions, updates things, you know, Java, like any framework, any stack that is still being used in the real world is constantly being updated. It's not just this new stuff like Elixir that is moving fast. Um, you know, now with Java, things that are super mature, you don't have as many breaking changes as you, as you can have when you're newer, but frameworks change all the time. And there are nuances that change under the, under the hood. There are, um, because it's enterprise stuff, Java, all the Java infrastructure or the, the that whole ecosystem is a target for security vulnerabilities. So there's constant changes there that you have to update. This guy is keeping on top of all of that and keeping students who've um, paid for that course. And keep in mind, Udemy is is a race to the bottom platform. They mm-hmm. they have an initial price, and then basically after a week, everything is ten bucks. Yeah, um, so this guy is not making a mint, but he is earning every penny that he gets uh, because he's simply caring enough to maintain his stuff. Um, I uh, maybe yeah. we'll uh, we'll post a, a link to that in the show notes to to show that there are people who care about really teaching and and mm-hmm. uh, have you know, have the, um, have the character to, to really follow through with it. This, this guy is definitely the model. Yep. Um, and I, I think, I think if, if it's the one I'm thinking of, I think it's the Tim, Tim Buchalka, I think is his name. Um, could be, I haven't looked at for a while. I, I was actually so impressed with it that I bought it for myself after, after. He yeah. That was actually the first course that I ever found that was great on that, on that platform. Um, and that was, that was sort of when I realized, oh, this is what a good course should be like. Yeah. And, uh, allowed me to start filtering and, and picking through the other ones to, to figure out what, what was good and what wasn't. Um, yeah, that guy, um, he's updated it multiple times. Um, he, he keeps it, uh, with what's relevant. So it was, when I bought it, it was on Java eight. Then he moved it to Java 11. Then he moved it to 17, I think is the most recent one. Java 17 is the most updated as far as, um, because as you say, enterprise moves slow. So they're not on the latest Java. They're on right 17, I think now is the most recent um, of the of the enterprise, what's being used on the job. But yeah, I mean, um, that course is so in-depth, it's like, fucking 70 hours worth or something it's huge yeah it's huge Um, and uh yeah i'm pretty sure that's the one but um speaking of of good quality content we should probably shout out um elixir newbie Um, oh yeah as far as uh especially my episode (laughs) i didn't just mean the podcast uh i should have said uh doc art academy um oh yeah so as far as as far as material learning material goes, you know you can, um, the 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 boot camp is live now, so you can you can sign up for a cohort. I think they run them every. Uh, don't quote me. But I think they run them every three months with maybe a m- month break in between, or at least a couple yeah. weeks in between. Am I? I think so because uh, yeah, it's uh, the. The cohort is like, well, the our cohort on the first one uh, was like three months. Mm-hmm. And then in a few weeks, there are another cohort. So, yeah. 
Okay. Yeah. So it's probably a couple of weeks in between. Um, and yeah, that's, uh, that's such a great point. Um, yes. Yeah, so as far as, the, oh, go ahead, Jeff. I was gonna, I'm sorry. I was, I was just going to say that I've, you know, been around the block for a, a few times and this is, this is about my 30th rodeo. And, um, that's a dumb phrase. You can cut that out. Thank you. Um, <laughs> anyway, you know, as I mentioned, I've been around software development for a long, long time. Um, hired lots of people, been hired a lot of times. Um, haven't gone through um, boot camps myself, but there are lots of horror stories out there about people paying lots and lots of money for boot camps and then really not being uh, that uh, educated on the topic and, you know, having a really difficult time to get a job because of the reputation of a boot camp is, is, you know, iffy. And, um, this is the exact opposite of all the negative things that you could, uh, ever worry about is in terms of a boot camp. I don't know what the current prices are, but I know that the first paid cohort was priced incredibly reasonably. Um, and, uh, you know, Given yep. that we went through it when it was even in beta, we were beta testers of the core of the the uh, Dockyard Academy, and it was by far the best experience I've ever had in terms of a learning experience um, that's facilitated. Um, Brooklyn Myers is the uh, is just um, one of one of those people that you put in your little black book of some of the, the best people I've ever met and worked with in my life. He is on that list. Um, it is a great experience, um, which is reflective, by the way, of the, the entire Elixir community. It's, it is just an incredibly welcoming and supporting community. And um, the Dockyard Academy is, you know, I think the, um, the marquee example of that. I absolutely agree. And well, we are talking about those tutorials that don't work and there are, or bootcamp that don't work and are like so expensive and static, outdated and horrible <laughs> in many sense. Uh, but uh, we have a really good example that there are others that works and are awesome and you can find like uh, incredible people uh, and build products with them. So, <laughs> I mean, we are the example that not all uh, software, develop software development is like horrible and all the learning path is like mm. stressful and, you know, <laughs> I mean... Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's um, we're definitely a, a solid example that um, of of a uh, boot camp that does work. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, I know. I know we all learned a ton um, through Dockyard Academy, and the curriculum is free. So if you can't afford the the three grand for the for the actual cohort, um, you can definitely uh, download the curriculum. Um, we can leave a link in the show notes. Um, you know, install LiveBook and and uh, go through the curriculum. Um, there is a, uh, I guess I'll leave a link to the Elixir Newbie Discord. So 
it's not my Discord. It's Brooklyn Myers Discord. Um, he runs the Elixir newbie, and uh, if you know if you have questions or you're trying to figure out how to learn Elixir or get get started, um, you can ask questions there. Um, that'd be a good place for it. Um, there's other places too. There's you know the Elixir um, Slack, I think, and I, th I don't know if I, oh yeah, there's also an Elixir Discord. Um, but I can leave I can leave links to that too. Um, yeah, and the, the Elixir Newbie, I think, still has sessions every Saturday um, mm -hmm. where it's informal, um, you know, collaboration, peer programming. Uh, they I think they choose a topic and kind of work through it as a group. So it's, yeah, uh, sounds right. it's almost sort of like a taste of the of the what Dockyard Academy might be, but it's, it's really not structured as an academy. It's just, uh, you know, collaboration sessions and really good stuff happens there. Right. Um, by the way, I'm, I don't know if it's like there are uh, the end of the postcard or, but I want to ask you something about why do you choose Elixir instead of, I don't know, um, Java or other languages? Mm. Uh, are you talking to me or Jeff? Both. Oh, um, I chose Elixir because I had, so I, I went through several periods of burnout when trying to learn how to program. Um, and I was bored in 2021 and just kind of, like I said, in a, in kind of a burnout period, uh, burnouts, <laughs> it's kind of strange because, you know, I'd been focused on learning how to program to get a job and, you know, just being stuck in in tutorial hell, not sure how to how to get out of it, and then you just you don't want to do anything, you know. You just you you're I don't know. It's it's kind of like depression, maybe in some aspects. You don't want to you don't want to code. You don't want to look at code. Um, I always had this nagging feeling though of maybe there's just something different. So I started looking for languages that were like kind of niche um or uh not object oriented and not really knowing what i was looking for or or why i was looking for it so i just started messing around and i ran into erlang and that kind of led me to elixir of course so i you know i picked up an um i think i picked up a a book bundle or something or um it had a bunch of elixir books in it um but the one thing i noticed about these <laughs> these books is that they're not really geared for beginners you know they they're more geared for someone that's coming from another language that is already a developer and can pick that stuff up quick and so you know i tried to read through the elixir book and i eventually just put it down um but then I, I just kept coming back to it like i liked the syntax um but i just wasn't really sure how to learn it i guess and then one day at work i was bored and um i seem to be bored a lot <laughs> but i i was listening to podcasts and i'm like i wonder if there's any elixir podcasts so I started looking through Spotify and I found a couple and they were really 
too technical for me. Um, and then I ran into Elixir Newbie. And so I listened to that and then I'm like, I want to interview this guy on my podcast. Um, and so I messaged Brooke. I'm like, Hey, I've been, you know, binge listening to your podcasts and, um, you know, why don't you come on my podcast and we can talk about Elixir. So he came on my podcast and we, I don't know that we even talked about Elixir all that much really. Um, but you know, he talked about building Dockyard Academy and, um, and that sort of thing. And, you know, told me about the, the beta that he was doing for it. And I'm like, okay, I guess, um, you know, after the podcast, uh, it might've been just like maybe a week and I messaged him and I'm like, you know, I want to get in on that beta. Um, so that's kind of what I did. I, I messaged him and he sent me the link and I got in the beta. And then I think like that, that following week, he started doing the classes, like teaching it. Like he decided to go through and teach the whole thing to kind of iron out the kinks. And, um, yeah, so that's, that's pretty much how, how I went from tutorial hell to, uh, Elixir programming. <laughs> Jeff, you're up. So, <laughs> oh, no, go ahead. Yeah. No, just uh, sounds like there are like a gap uh, not really covered about Elixir juniors. Like there are a amount of people that are junior or uh, and are uh, like learning Elixir and it's like all the staff, all the podcast, or all is like senior oriented, or at yeah. least uh, for me, I feel uh, I feel it in that way, and it's quite frustrating because um, there are like a really good documentation, but sometimes you are like struggle with like technical things that you don't know, and there are. A really few podcasts or resources uh, newbie friendly. So, anytime that uh, I found one, I appreciate uh, it like a lot. So I understand you a, a lot. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's that's pretty much. Um, that's that's pretty accurate. Uh, it has been a really, uh, really challenging, um, and they definitely. So the Elixir community is great. It's small. It's, it's, um, but it's very active. Um, and that, you know, there's so many people that are very helpful, but definitely a lot of the content and things of that nature is not aimed at new people. And I think that is, I think that's hurting the community, to be honest. Um, uh, Elixir is not, um, it's not that approachable. And I don't mean that from the point of the language isn't approachable because it very much is. It's, it's, you know, the syntax syntax wise, it looks kind of like, kind of like Ruby, um, easy to read by far. It has been the easiest language for me to, to understand. Um, but as far as someone just coming in for the first time or just taking a look, you know, at languages, they come across Elixir, 
you know, they're not going to find a whole lot of um, newbie friendly starting points um, for someone that's, you know, just coming into it. So, yeah, I, I, I agree. And the people are absolutely amazing. And we came across senior members of the community who were like more than willing to help us. And we are so uh, grateful for that. But yeah. Uh, in terms of resources, uh, resources like blogs or things like that are more like are not uh, so new friendly. Mm. Yeah, definitely, definitely not. Um, there's, I mean, from my to my knowledge, there's, I mean, there's a couple of of things um, that are are newbie friendly. I mean, now that the Dockyard Academy curriculum is free, like that's a huge, I think that'll, that'll Absolutely. do a ton for the, uh, just kind of learning to pick up the language and for people that already know how to program, of course, but, oh, and um, exercise, exercise has always, an elixir path, really, really mm. newbie friendly. And uh, exercise is really good. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's got a it's got a newbie path. Um, in fact, that was one of the things that I, when I was first trying to figure out how to learn Elixir, um, that I made an account on. I found that and made an account on it. Yeah, it's. I wouldn't consider it a good place to learn Elixir. It's definitely a good place to practice, though. Um, mm. it's uh, yeah, it's got a a good track there with lots of exercises and stuff like that. So. Um, definitely if you start, and I mean, obviously this is my opinion, you know, maybe somebody could, could learn from that or learn that way, but you know, everybody, everybody kind of learns differently. Um, for mm -hmm. me having the, uh, going through the instructor led boot, boot camp was the thing that worked for me. Um, it was the thing that really kind of broke me out of the, the tutorial hell, mainly because I think it, it gave me the confidence to just build a project by myself with not, you know, not having someone there to hold my hand, which is what most um, courses do. Um, you know, they, uh, during the boot camp, you have a capstone project and I think they've probably changed, changed it now. So you've got other projects too. Um, when I went through it, they just had the capstone. Um, and there was a group project too. Um, so we got to do a little bit of the, the whole group dynamic thing and um but the the capstone project i had to build on my own i didn't have somebody there to like walk me through how to solve the problems um that i run into but it also taught me how to break problems down into tiny pieces and i think that is one of the most important um points for learning how to program it's not so much learning how to use the tech. It's it's learning how to take a problem, break it down to manageable chunks, and just solve that one tiny piece, and then solve the next tiny piece. Until, yeah, divide and conquer. Yeah, yeah. It's it's so weird how uh, when you're learning how to program without kind of being taught that you look at the problem as a whole. You're like, okay, how am I going to build this big ass app that does all this stuff? And then you get overwhelmed and you don't do anything. Or, you know, you, 
you maybe start looking for a tutorial on how to uh, build <laughs> an app that does what you want. And then you follow that, but you don't really have to do that. You can, if you can learn how to break a problem down into small pieces, then you can just solve those pieces um, and build up from there um, until you've, you know, you've got the whole thing. But most people go, you know, if you haven't been taught how to, how to break problems down, you go, okay, um, let me Google how, how to do this. And then they, they find a tutorial that builds the whole thing for them. And they're like, okay, I'll follow this tutorial. Um, and then they, they do that, but they never get to the point where they can just break a problem down themselves or write the code themselves without looking at a, at something someone else has already built. Not there's not that there's not benefit to looking at a tutorial to figure out how to do something or, or look at, you know, some code online. But if, if you don't already understand it and know how to write it, there's not a whole lot of benefit to doing that. Um, you know, you're just not going to get the benefit you will <laughs> from just building something, yeah. right? It's like going to Ikea and see other, like uh, building the the article instead of do it yourself. Or <laughs> mm. Right, right. And, you know, everybody on, on Twitter, you know, they always say build projects, you know, build just, you know, build your own projects. But nobody really tells you how, you know, they don't say they don't they don't. They don't show you how to break down a problem for one, you know, that was, that was one of the key pieces for me during the cohort was watching Brooke, um, break stuff down into these tiny, tiny pieces and literally just solving the, the tiny piece. You know, once you, once you do that a bunch, yeah, maybe you can take it in bigger chunks because you already know how to do some of these other things. But until then, you know, learn how to break that shit down into the absolute smallest possible pieces and then just solve that one piece you know you need some text on the screen write the word you know <laughs> uh you need you know you need a counter you know just it's just you just want to break it down into small small chunks and then solve those tiny chunks yeah it's like more affordable for a newbie absolutely agree and then once you've broken down those small chunks, Bob's your uncle. <laughs> <laughs> uh, where's John when we need So, him? Sorry, uh, just I, I'm going to ask the same question to, to Jeff. How did you, you come across Elixir? You can't, you can't ask Jeff any questions. He's, oh. he's, uh, <laughs> okay. Jeff said <laughs> that he apparently had a meeting that started three minutes ago. Ah. Uh, <laughs> oops. Oops, said, oops. He said I need to stay on mute because I have a work meeting starting starting three minutes oh, ago. Yeah. Uh it's okay. It's all right. Uh we could probably wrap this up since it's run pretty long, but um uh any final thoughts? Mm -hmm. I'll have to I'll have to record Jeff's final thoughts later if he has any. So um, oh. if you uh, want to build a product maybe it's a good idea create a, a small team where all the people have to go in 
the same direction like I mean if they we only if we have like really not similar strategies like for example for creating a project imagine that I want to do like okay and now I'm going to split this in microservices and blah 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 blah. Mm -hmm. it's quite crazy and due to we all agree on how to build products and on at least how to start it um, I think that is a really good point and have this ability for found the minimum valuable products mm -hmm. uh, is the way for me to, to achieve a small project with a team. And I think that I'm learning this process with you because I lose myself really, really like a lot of times Uh, doing shit that is not necessary is like okay and now I'm going to do this 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 and this and uh, working with you um, like helps helps a lot uh, helps me a lot to determine what is the minimum viable products and I think that I'm not good at that but I'm I'm learning <laughs> yeah I, I mean th that That kind of same goes for me. Like, uh, you know, you've you've come up with stuff that I didn't realize was even important until um, it came up, and I'm like, oh, that's actually something we need to do. You know, um, like using uh, the checks in in GitHub. Um, the CI is it CI or CD? Which one is it that we use? CI CI goes CD yeah. is deployment. Right, deployment. Okay, right. See, I'm I'm learning. Uh, it's all new to me. Um, so we started, you know, we started using CI and Git, and um, and I didn't even, you know, I didn't even think about that. Um, but one thing I did, I did find that was actually useful for us um, was, or I guess another thing that I found useful was is actually um, making feature branches um, and build and working on a feature branch. And not just, you know, everybody working on main and merging into main. Um, I don't know what all the terms are for that. I don't know if that's trunk-based development or I don't know what, what we're doing yeah, yeah. is called. Um, I don't know if we're, we're probably not doing chunk or trunk-based. Um, um, it's not, but because we on, we don't have, like anything deployment deployed yet so it's like we don't have like this trunk uh, branch because we don't have like our yeah, first version yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. maybe when you decide to deployment uh, we can start in that way yeah 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 but i mean just you know we're working on feature branches has, has been a huge help um for yeah absolutely because we're all kind of You know, um, I think you and I were more working on the front end for a bit and Jeff was working on some of the back end stuff. And then um, uh, John was too. Um, although I think right now John's very focused on his uh, his app because he's getting further on it. Yeah. So, um, John, thanks for all the help, man. We, <laughs> we appreciate it. Um, 
All the send with stuff. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was kind of a pain in the butt trying to get all that set up. <coughs> um but yeah, so yeah, we'll we'll go ahead and close this one down. Um this has uh been a special edition of the <laughs> uh Citizen Coder Elixir Elixirized podcast. Um so <laughs> uh going forward, Elix we we will do I think one a week. We'll we'll try to do one podcast a week if possible. Um we can definitely keep it shorter than what this is. And we'll have uh probably more set topics too. So um we'll actually just kind of cover something and then this was sort of an introductory introductory um episode. Um but yeah, so that's uh that's it. That's all we got for today and we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode. If you're interested in getting more info on Mindery, our first app, we'd love to have you in our Discord. The link is in the show notes. Follow us on Twitter for updates on the app, blog posts, snarky comments, and more fun. Anything we mentioned during the podcast, such as courses, websites, etc., you can find in the show notes. Thanks for listening, and as always, we'll see you next time.